Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. Now we can get into the message. This, I'm, I'm just so excited about this. I have been studying and studying and studying. I, I, I can't wait. Um, and now those of you that are new, welcome. We're glad you're here. You might assume that I am like every other pastor and I love to do long sermon series. Those of you that are old know that I have never done a sermon series this long in the history of ever. I think I did a four-part on the book of Ruth once. So this is going to go beyond four parts, uh, probably seven or eight weeks. We're going to talk about the power that God has in our minds. And where does all of this come from? In 2005, Pastor Bill Johnson from Bethel Church in Redding, California, he wrote a book called The Supernatural Power of a transformed mind. Now, I didn't read it back then. I probably read it about nine or ten years ago. And when I read that book, it totally changed my life, and it totally changed the way I think because it gave me some theology for some things about the kingdom of God that I was starting to explore, but it also fixed some bad theology that I had about my thought life and about what God wanted to do on the earth. So I was so grateful for Pastor Bill for writing this book and creating this series um, because it, it changed my life. And I just hope and, that it'll change all of our lives. It'll change our church. I pray that it'll change our city, that, that this, there would be fruit that remains. Sometimes when pastors get together, we'll say, hey, what are you teaching about lately? And has it been good? And we assume it's good as if like we tell jokes and you laugh and like somebody like says amen, and then at the end somebody gives their heart to Jesus. It's like, yeah, it was a great sermon. But to me, an amazing sermon or a sermon series is one where there is fruit that remains. That 20 years from now, it's, it's 2042. Are we all gonna be alive in 2042? That just seems so far away. Um, in 2042, I don't have a jet pack to get to work, then somebody at NASA has failed me. Or Elon Musk has failed me. The point is, what was the point? <laughs> fruit that remains. Craig and I are on the same page today. That we would have fruit that remains. That, you are, that you're like, I remember a series. It was a church I went to back in Texas. And, and it was about changing the way we think about the kingdom of heaven to be released on the earth. And it changed my life. That's what I'm looking for. Fruit that remains. Because our minds, our brains are like a computer. Our mind, it, it, it's constantly taking in data our mind is constantly processing the information, and then our mind will make a decision and then do something based on the information. We're gonna react. So here's an example, you're in Minnesota in January, and you're like, it's cold. So your mind is like, okay, I have a sweater, I put on a sweater. Or you're in, I don't know, Florida in the summer, and you're like, it's hot, and I'm still wearing my Minnesota sweater, so I take my sweater off. Our minds are trained to take in information, think about what is in the realm of possibility, and then make a decision that reacts to that information that we've taken in. So what happens if there is nothing in the realm of possibility? I'm cold. I don't have a sweater. I don't have access to a sweater. So I'm going to start doing jumping jacks. And then after that, I'm going to freeze to death. Like that's, that's, that's all that I can do because that's all that's in my power to do anything. I'm... I'm hungry. I have no food. I have no access to food. I, I can't make food come out of thin air, so I'm going to make it sound spiritual and say that I'm fasting. And then I'm, I, I, I just, I'm just going to starve to death. Because our, in, over time, our mind will learn from past behavior. Our mind will learn from things that happened before us. So when life gives us lemonade, or gives us lemons, our mind will start working out a recipe for lemonade. But our minds are only perceiving things that can happen in the realm of the, of the reality of what is possible. So if our mind takes in information, okay, I have lemons, I can't make chocolate ice cream. Why? Because it's outside of the realm of what's possible with lemons. You can't make chocolate ice cream with lemons. There's a story in the Bible that I want to read to you, and I want you to intentionally hear this story from two different mental perspectives, two different realities of how the mind is perceiving information. It's a story that you know well, so I'll read it fairly quickly. But there is a, a renewed mind that thinks like the kingdom of God thinks, and then there is an unrenewed mind that thinks like the kingdom of this world thinks. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 13, Jesus heard what happened. He withdrew by a boat privately to a solitary place. 
Hearing of this, the crowds followed Jesus from all the towns around. When Jesus landed on the shore, he saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Hey, um, boss, we're sort of in like a remote place, and it's getting late, and um, you should send the crowds back to their towns so they can go to the villages and buy something to eat. And Jesus looks at the disciples who gave him this information and says, yeah, um, they don't need to go away. You should give them something to eat. And the disciples are like looking at this crowd of thousands and thousands of people. And they're like, um, uh, hey, uh, JC, we, we only have um, like five little loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus is like, right, bring them to me. Jesus thanked God for it. He began to break the bread and the fish, and he gave it to the disciples. He said, y'all go feed the people. I told you, go feed the people. So they take five loaves of bread and two fish, and they feed what the Bible records as 5,000 men plus women and children. And when you think about children in a family with no birth control, like, there's a lot of babies running around that field that day. You have to picture there's at least 20,000 people to hear Jesus preach that day. And the disciples were supposed to feed them. But did you see the two different perspectives of the mind? The disciples saw the crowd of 20,000 people. It was getting late. There's no food. They're getting hungry. So they freak out. You've got to send everybody away because they're hungry. Jesus, with a renewed mind, sees the exact same scenario. Okay, we have this crowd of 20,000 people. Cool, 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 cool. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. We have no, yep, no grocery stores. We have no way to feed these people. So this is just an opportunity for heaven to touch earth. We're going to need a miracle in this place. Did you notice that Jesus wasn't like, oh my gosh, there's no food. What are we going to do? We should freak out. We should put it on Facebook and Instagram how freaked out we are. Oh no. No. He didn't freak out because in his mind, he took in the information on this earth, but then he looked up into heaven. He's like, hey, Father, what do you want to do? He didn't see an impossible situation. He just saw a, a possibility of where heaven is going to touch earth. I'm not denying, and Jesus wasn't denying, the reality of a lack of food. Like, we're not turning our mind off like a bunch of idiots. There were too many people and not enough food. But just because that was the reality, that doesn't mean that hunger was the only result. Sometimes we're going to face sickness in our life. That doesn't mean we have to stay sick. Sometimes you can break a bone. Doesn't mean you have to wait 12 weeks for the bone to heal. Sometimes people struggle with addiction, or they struggle with fear, or they struggle with anxiety, or they struggle with porn, and they're like, I, I don't know what to do with this information. And God's like, I'm more than able to do a miracle in your life. So this is week one of a series of many weeks called The Supernatural Power a transformed mind. In week one is I want to teach you to think from heaven's perspective. It's easy to think from this world's perspective. I want you to have your mind be transformed that you think from heaven's perspective because we have to change the way we think. That when we're faced with a situation, we open our minds to what heaven wants to do as it touches earth. Because in heaven, here's, here's what, what Jesus saw that day. In heaven, there is no hunger. So Jesus saw the natural situation on the earth, and then he looked up into heaven, and he's like, if there's no hunger in heaven, then I'm going to need a little bit of food to be multiplied on the earth. It's no big deal to a renewed mind. It was no big deal. But to the renewed mind, the impossible seems possible, even logical. Like to the renewed mind, it's like, well, of course God's going to multiply food. Now, a little side note, quick story. Josie's dad, Lars, was mentored in Sweden as a young man by a missionary named Josta Oman. Josta in the 1960s was in Korea, and there was a famine that happened in 1963, so in 1964 there wasn't enough rice. Josta lived up in the mountains in a village, and he had just come up, I guess from Seoul, with like a hundred pound bag of rice that he had in his home. But the people from his little church that he was ministering to would come to him and say, hey, Brother Josta, there's not enough rice. And he'd be like, well, I, I have rice. I'm like, well, I know, but there's not enough rice for the whole village. He's like, well, let's just pray. Come to the back door, and every time somebody needs rice, just hold out a bag, and I'll take a scoop and dump it in there. You know where the story's going, right? Yeah. 
A year later, when the new harvest came in, he had fed 20,000 people for seven months with one bag of rice. And it was still half full. God didn't just do it then, he's still doing it today. Yosta, in 1964, looked up into heaven and said, in heaven there is no hunger. I have one bag of rice to feed 20,000 people for seven months. No problem, we'll just keep scooping. He didn't think with the earth, he took in the earthly information, but then he, what is heaven's perspective on this situation? The same thing happened with Jesus. When you're reading the Bible, and it's like Jesus comes across somebody with leprosy, like terrible skin disease. But in heaven, there's no leprosy. So he just brought heaven down to earth to touch the leprosy and drive it out. Jesus sees a, a crippled person, the, the story of the man who was lame since birth. And he's like, well, there's no crippled people in heaven, so we're just going to pray and release healing into your, into your legs. Jesus' good friend Lazarus died, but it was before Lazarus' time to die. So Jesus, even though Lazarus had been dead and decaying for three days, looked up into heaven where there is life and said, my buddy Lazarus died before it was his time. So he simply, it's not that he didn't know Lazarus was dead, but he simply released heaven into Lazarus' body. So back, if you're over 40, you remember the, the WWJD bracelets. If bell bottoms came back, I'm only assuming WWJD bracelets are coming back soon too. So we want to say, well, what, what would Jesus do in this situation? Well, if we want to know what Jesus did, we've got to think like Jesus thought. We have to transform our minds to think from heaven's perspective to earth. Now, the next couple of verses I have preached to you countless times in the 11 years that I've pastored here. And you've heard these verses before, and you're going to, over the next eight weeks, hear these verses time and time again. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church in Rome. He was encouraging Christians under great persecution in Rome, chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers at Uncommon Church, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Just put some, circle that in your mind. A living sacrifice, one that is holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual worship. What he's trying to say here is, think about it. If you would present your body as a sacrifice to God in your mind, that should make perfect sense. Now, sacrifice is not a word we use a whole lot of in 2022. I'm pretty sure that killing animals for religious reasons, at least in America, is illegal. But in the ancient world, like every religion in the world was still killing animals for religious sacrifice, including the Jews in the temple in Jerusalem. And Paul is saying, you know how we're supposed to kill things, animals, and offer their bodies and blood to the gods in Rome or to the one God in Jerusalem? Yeah, I want you to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, that every day you would die so that you can live for Jesus. Because your worldly mind, it has to die. And if you would be willing to do that, if you would be willing to die to the way you think in this natural world, it is an act of worship that is holy and set apart. Josie taught last week, what does the word holy mean? It means set apart. It means not common. It means uncommon. <laughs> hey, somebody. That when you choose to be a living sacrifice, you are becoming uncommon worship all day, every day, wherever you go. Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but instead be transformed. Circle that in your Bible if you've got a paper Bible. If you don't, start bringing a paper Bible to church. Highlight it in your app. To be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you will discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Verse 2. Did you notice that Paul was writing to Christians in a church and he said, y'all need to stop thinking like the world. He wasn't writing to unchurched people. He was writing to churchy church people and said, stop thinking like the world. Because don't forget, verse 1 says you are a living sacrifice. So your mind should be dead to this world and alive to Christ. Transform your mind by allowing a renewal to happen that the kingdom of God rewires the database, the operating system of your brain. That when we go through this process, our minds are transformed, and the whole point of this lesson, we begin to think with heaven's perspective, not the world's perspective. This is how heaven touches earth. This is how, it's kind of like we want God to move on the earth. Thinking with a transformed mind creates the banks for that river to flow. And I don't mean in our hearts, I mean in our city. 
So what does the transformed mind look like? Well, it, it, in one way it's hard to describe, in another way you know it when you see it. Because like the body we can see, the heart we can see, but the mind we can't, we can't really see our mind. It is an unseen thing. So to help to define what a, a mind looks like, especially a transformed mind, we have to look at that word that Paul specifically chose to use for having a transformed mind. So flip over to Matthew chapter 17. That word that Paul used for our transformed mind is only used three times in Scripture. It's a very rare, very unique word. Matthew chapter 17, after six days, Jesus took Peter and James, John, his brother, and they went up on a high mountain. Jesus was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. His clothes became white as light. Jesus was revealing his heavenly glorified self to three of his favorite disciples on the earth. Other translations say that he was transfigured and he became like lightning, that he was glowing and flashing like lightning. And if you haven't figured it out, that word that Paul used to the Romans for transform is the same word that was used to describe Jesus' transfiguration. It is the Greek word metamorpho, and what it means is to change from one form to another form. And when something, a word that specific is only used three times in Scripture, you should pay attention. We obviously get the word metamorphosis from the word metamorpho. And when you take a caterpillar and it builds the cocoon and it goes in there, it does not go back to being a caterpillar after it comes out as a butterfly. It is a one-time transformation where it is not the same creature anymore. It went in caterpillar, it came out butterfly, and it's never going back. Jesus transforming into his glorified, heavenly, radiant, lightning-flashing state is a physical representation of what the transformed and renewed mind looks like. And this transformation, it's glorious. And that's what we are instructed to do, is to allow our minds to go through a metamorphosis where we no longer think like this world, but that we think with the mind of heaven on the earth. And we do not go back to a worldly way of thinking. So if you put your finger back, I, hopefully you're still in Romans chapter 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewal of your mind. So my prayer for me, at least, if nobody else gets this, I'm going to get this. Lord, I want my mind to be transformed. I want my mind to be made new again, that my mind becomes radiant and thinks with the dazzling, glorious lightning of heaven. I want my mind to be renewed and transformed, that what I think, I think from heaven's perspective first, not the world's perspective. And it's funny, though, that Paul even mentions the world. Like, I thought we are talking about transforming our mind to think with heaven's perspective. Why did he address Christians and say, don't be conformed to the world? Why, didn't, why, did, he talk, why did he tell the worldly people that? Why is he telling church people that? I don't know. Why are church people watching so much Netflix? I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> why are we allowing the world to dictate what we think and believe? Why are we allowing music stars to determine what is the absolute truth? Here's why. Our thoughts empower the unseen world. And if we think like the world, if we think from a place of fear and lack and sin and unbelief and death, if we think within the realm of the world of what's reasonably possible with our intellect, then we're thinking in line with the world. And we will reap a harvest from that thought life. But if we're not conformed to this world, is what Paul's saying in verse 1. If we're not conformed to this world, but we allow our minds to go through this process of transfiguring, transforming, metamorphosizing, if that's even a word, our minds to think from heaven's perspective, then every situation we walk into, we think faith. We think life. We think healing. We think, listen, nothing is impossible for God. Every room you walk into, your first thought is, doesn't matter what I face today, nothing is impossible for God. But did you notice that he goes on to say, we're all trying to identify and to prove the will of God at the end of verse, 12, at the end of verse 2. The renewed mind will test and discern the perfect will of God. And I think that, that phrase, the will of God, we struggle with. Because I think that we imagine the will of God as being something that can't really be fully known. 
The will of God is like a, a carrot at the end of the stick, and we reach for it, and we struggle that, does God even want me to know his will, like as if God's going to hide it from us? And Jesus taught us his will when he taught us to pray. He said, listen, Uncommon Church, I want you to pray like this. Our Father in heaven, not our taskmaster, not our police officer, not our judge, our Father, loving Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. So if you've been wrestling to determine the will of God for your life, I have answered all of your questions. Wrestle no more. The will of God is on earth as it is in heaven. And he's asking us to pray that prayer. Because why? There's no demons in heaven, so Jesus cast out demons on the earth. There's no sickness in heaven, so Jesus cast out sickness from people's bodies on the earth. Now here's where I, I lose some people. Because you hear a message like this and you're like, yeah, rah, rah, sis, boom, Romans chapter 12, come on. But then you're like, mm. but remember that time I prayed for my grandma or I prayed for my teacher or I prayed for, remember everybody prayed for their pets when you were kids? I, I, I prayed and I, there wasn't a miracle. I lost the baby, I lost the marriage, I lost the job, I lost the peace, I, I lost my sobriety, I, I lost whatever, I lost my dog. I didn't receive a miracle like I thought I would. The renewed mind is not open for doubt and unbelief. Only the backslider will judge God based on what he didn't do. And my warning to you is if we would even crack the door to doubt, Doubt is like a landmine in the battlefield of the mind. And every time you step into doubt, boom, your faith is gone. But for some reason, Christians love to put doubt into our prayer life because of our past memories of there not being a miracle, because of our hope being deferred. Man, I prayed and God didn't answer. So we, when we, I still want to pray for a miracle, but I'm going to give myself a safety net to jump into if nothing happens. So we pray, Lord, we pray for this miracle, we pray for this healing, we pray for this job, we pray for this whatever to happen, and then we finish it with, if it be your will. And it sounds holy. It sounds like we really know how to pray. But I'm telling you, ever since Jesus was beaten by the Roman soldiers, the stripes that he bore on his back, the will of God is healing for our bodies. Ever since Jesus was murdered for my sin, and he took on sickness and death and hell and demons in the grave, and he came out victorious, we know that the will of God is to heal. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. He went about doing good, and he healed some of those that were oppressed by the devil. Hold on, hold on. Oh, snap. He healed all of those who were oppressed by the devil. Why? Because God was with him. Side note. God is still with you. Jesus said he would never leave you or forsake you. So we know that healing is the will of God. So when we add the phrase, if it be your will, thouest Lord, if, we're saying, I don't even know what your will is. And I don't believe in what your will is. So Lord, if it be your will, in a prayer that we just prayed for healing, it nullifies the prayer for healing we just prayed. The prayer of the renewed mind empowers a prayer of faith. And the unrenewed mind is like a wave that's getting tossed around in the sea. It doesn't know what to think. It doesn't know what to believe. It doesn't know what the will of God is. Yes, and some people are like, well, there's things in the kingdom of God that are a mystery, Paul. Yeah, I know that. I went to Bible school. We had a literal whole semester class called the mysteries of God. But I know this, that Jesus taught us to pray for healing. And to pray the will of God be released on the earth. He literally included it in the Lord's Prayer. So there's going to be some things that we don't always understand. There's going to be some things that we don't get. We're going to have to ask God for clarification. And we might get it, but probably not. And we'll ask him in heaven one day. But everything we look at, we have to look at from heaven's perspective, not the world's perspective. I'm, I'm not sure if you know what fair game is of what you're allowed to think about. Fair game is to think about everything that Jesus thought about. Jesus is the perfect example, so study the life of Jesus. Why? Jesus is perfect theology. You're like, well, I know, but he was God. Listen, he was fully human. 
full of God. Jesus did not perform miracles on earth as God. If he did, it would be impossible for the disciples or any of us to do a miracle. But he literally asked us to continue his work and continue doing miracles. So therefore, Jesus wasn't doing miracles on the earth as God. He was doing miracles on the earth as a human full of God, which is an invitation for you to join in. Remember, go back to the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus saw the crowd, but he didn't react from a worldly perspective. He reacted from what heaven's perspective is. Jesus is the perfect example of what it looks like to live a human life, but to have a heavenly perspective and to be full of the power of God. Having a renewed mind sees impossible situations. It's like, hmm, let me first look at heaven. So when we pray things like, Lord, if it be your will, we're looking for the safety net. We're looking for the out if the prayer doesn't get answered. That's not a prayer of faith. That's not taking a risk in prayer. Listen, I have prayed for thousands of people all around the world, and I have seen about a dozen miracles. If I only left the house because of what God didn't do, I'd never leave the house. I'd just dig a hole in my backyard and jump into it and be like, I don't know, I can't go anywhere. I prayed and I've prayed for people that have died. They're in heaven waiting for me. And I've prayed in faith for them. Last, you know, the guy who wrote the book, Bill Johnson, Bethel Church, Redding, California, last month his wife died of cancer. And while she was still sick to the very last moments of her life, there were tens of thousands of faith-filled people all over the world praying for her healing, including Bill, who wrote the book. So some of the most heavenly renewed minds in the world were praying and believing God for Benny to be healed, and yet she still went to heaven last month. I don't know why. I don't know why. But what I can do is I can write it on a three-by-five card, and I'll put it in my... God, I don't understand what happened, and I'll ask you later about it, but I can't leave that three-by-five card in my hand and continue to live my life. I have to put it in the three-by-five card container that says, I don't understand. I'll ask God one day. Because if not, I'll never believe for the next miracle. I'll just get stuck on what God didn't do. And when I get to heaven, I can pull out my little earthly, like, hey, I didn't understand. But I doubt in his presence I'm going to be like, I had a few questions. (laughs) So please, seriously, if if I contract some sort of life-threatening illness, don't pray for me if you're going to finish the prayer with, Lord, if it be your will. Like, I'd rather just die knowing that God is a God of miracles and he performs miracles and whether I'm healed or not, I'm going to heaven and God is still a miracle worker. Oh, golly, we have a lot more to cover. You can tell I've been studying for a long time and have a lot of notes. Some of you are like, I just want a hot dog. (laughs) Now you're fasting. Because the renewed mind is always going to pray from a, a position of believing for a miracle. The renewed mind is always seeing things through heaven's perspective. We can't lower the the standard of heaven just because our mind isn't renewed. Like, well, I'll just lower, I I can get over this. I can pray a little prayer that's like, Lord, I pray for healing if it be your will. Okay, anybody can do that. That's easy. The renewed mind is the one that's going to take a risk. What did Jesus do? WWJD, bro. I don't know. How did Jesus think? How many people left Jesus unhealed? So let's just keep praying. So I love people like, oh, I just don't know. All of this is to pray for God's will to be released on the earth. What is good and perfect, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. I don't know God's will for my life. Michelle already told you God's will for your life, and she stole it right out of my sermon. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, so freely give it away. That is God's will for your life. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. That's God's will for your life. I know, I just don't know what city I should live in or what job I should take or who I should marry or what car to buy. I don't know about any of that stuff. All I know is the will of God for your life is to heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out devils. So we no longer have an excuse of not knowing what God's will is. God's will is to do miracles on the earth. Change your mind. I don't know. You're wrong. Change your mind to think like God. Think from a heavenly perspective. I know, but I'm so sad because I prayed it like I understand. It's terrible when we pray for people and they still go to heaven. We had a lovely woman, Mr. Shuttlesworth, that was on our prayer team a few years ago. She contracted cancer. She went to heaven. We prayed for her till the very last moments of her life. 
But use those disappointments to encourage your heart to press in for more. Don't step into like guilt and shame. Well, if I'd have just prayed harder. You don't have to beat yourself. You don't have to scream. You don't have to yell. God's not hard of hearing. He can hear you when you pray. You don't need to scream when you pray. Sometimes we get disappointed. But we can't allow those disappointments to keep us sitting in the, the hole you dug in your backyard to throw your pity party because somebody wasn't healed. I, I get out of the hole, I leave my house, I come to church, why? Because I've seen about a dozen miracles and I know God wants to do it again. Nothing is impossible for God. So in private, cry out to God for answers, cry out to God for miracles, but in public, take a big risk and pray for somebody. Why is all this so important? Why would I, for the first time in my ministry, take two months and talk about one thing? Because Paul also wrote to the church in Rome, he said, those that live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. He's, he's writing to church people. He said, those that live according to the Spirit, well, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But I think what Paul was realizing is that most Christians do this. Hey, but to set the mind on the Spirit, there is life and peace. How many of you want more life and peace in your life? Come on, somebody. The mind that is set on the flesh, this is important, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile towards God. It does not submit to God's law. In fact, it can't. But those who are in the flesh do not please God. This is why I'm taking two months and we're going to rewire our brains to think like God wants us to think. Because to set your mind on the flesh leads to death. And everything in this fallen world leads to death. Everything that you put your faith and trust and hope in, in the economy, in celebrities, in your job, and it's all going to lead to death. So why would you want to think like the world when the Bible is saying, if you'd set your mind on what the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm going to give you life and peace and hope and joy. I, I think I'd rather live in that. He said in verse 7 that the unrenewed mind is at war with God. The unrenewed mind, he goes on to say, doesn't please God. So that's the first reason as to why I'm going to spend eight weeks on this. Here's the second. The mind is central to God doing miracles on the earth. And often we don't see miracles because we don't even believe that a miracle is possible. It is unnatural for a Christian to not have an appetite for the impossible. And I, I want us as a church to transform the way we think. One of the members of our church has been very sick and in pain for months. And I got a praise report just before walking up here this morning. Months and months and months, bedridden in pain and agony. Three or four ladies from our church were like, you know what? Enough is enough. We need a miracle. What is heaven saying? And last Sunday after church, they went over, they anointed her with oil, they laid hands on her, they prayed for her. She sent an email saying, I'm totally healed, I'm totally pain-free, I'm totally out of bed. God is good. Yay, God. What happened? Those four ladies did not look at the natural, earthly, sickly situation. They looked from heaven's perspective, went over to her house and said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. It is the responsibility of every believer to demonstrate the kingdom of God on the earth. And when we allow our mind to be transformed, that we would see things from heaven's perspective, it opens up this gateway, this bridge, this ladder for God to move on the earth. Let me be clear about something. Faith does not come from your mind. You can't think your way into faith. Faith comes from our hearts. But the renewed mind is like a big fan on the embers of our heart, and the renewed mind will fan the flames of faith that burn in our hearts for the supernatural to happen. I've heard it once said before that to the renewed mind, the impossible should seem possible, even logical. So then the question is raised, well, okay, how do I, how do I know if I have a renewed mind or not? What's the first step? The first step to the renewed mind is repentance. You know, like, oh, I know the word repentance. That has to do with when I'm sorry that I've sinned against God and I ask God to forgive and I repent, I, I change my life, I come down to the altar, I pray with somebody, I go screw in a light bulb on the Jesus wall. I, I know what it means to repent. Yes, that is repentance. Well, that's the first step of repentance. But it's only the first step. If you really want to understand the word repentance, you have to also look at the Greek and why is that word repentance chosen? 
What does it mean? The New Testament was written in Greek, and the very word repent means to change the way one thinks. I thought it had to do with being sorry for sin and screwing in a light bulb. It does. You've changed the way you think about God. It changed the way you think about sin. I used to think this way. I've changed my mind. I've repented, and now I think this way. Put it in a different example. For me in my own life, I used to think until I was 45 years old that eating healthy and and fitness and working out did not matter to me. Two years ago, I changed my mind, and I started going to the gym. That's repentance. You're going one way, and then you make a 180-degree change, and you go the other direction. Here's another example. I used to think that the Cowboys were just a dumpster fire of a football team. It's that time of year. But I repented. I changed my mind. And now I think the Cowboys are an overrated dumpster fire of a football team. It's, I don't know why our church isn't bigger in Dallas. Some of you are new that are visiting. I was born and raised in Washington, D.C., so I was raised a Redskins fan, and then I was, I guess, a team fan. I don't know what a commander is, but I'm no longer a fan. Because if I want to call the Cowboys an overrated dumpster fire, that whole organization is just an embarrassment to professional sports. So that's enough, Bill. That's enough. It's a little too much. You hurt my childhood 80s soul there a little bit. A lot of young people in college, in high school, don't drink coffee. So you have this thought life, coffee's gross. And then you repented and you changed your mind and you're like, coffee's how I passed last semester. Can I get an amen from anybody in college? <laughs> to repent means we change our mind and we're never going back. So if, you, if you're far from God, you might think, honestly, you think it in your mind. You believe it in your heart. The Bible is a fairy tale. All that Christians believe is a joke. I can do whatever I want, it's my life. I only live on this planet once, I'm gonna do all, I'm gonna get as drunk as I wanna get, I'm gonna get as high as I wanna get, I wanna make as much money and steal as much money and lie and cheat and look at porn and sleep with somebody I'm not married to. I'm gonna do whatever I want. But I had this encounter at Uncommon Church and I repented of my sin and I changed the way I think and now I think about God, I think about the Bible, I think about his goodness in my life. I want to honor God, why? Because you've changed the way you're thinking, you're never going back. I think Jesus is the Son of God. I think he's amazing, and I want to know the Father, and I know the Father through the Son. Repentance is a sorrow that we feel for our sin, but it brings us to a place where we change our mind and we never go back. But it's, it's so much more. It's, also, it's changing our perspective that we would not think from a, a worldly, earthly perspective. We start thinking from heaven's perspective. I need to give you another verse of Scripture that I have used in the past, especially you old school people, when talking about your thought life. And it wasn't bad theology, but it, was, it wasn't wrong, it was only half right. I'm gonna give you the other half of that that I've studied out. Second Corinthians chapter 10, Paul wrote a, church, a letter to the church in Corinth. He said, we're gonna destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that raises itself against the knowledge of God. How do we do that? By taking every thought captive to obey Christ. And I have always taught you that you should examine your thought life. That it, when a thought pops up into your head, you don't just let it hang out in there. You, you take that thought captive. And if it's a sinful thought, you put little thought handcuffs on that thought and you take it to thought jail and say, I, I'm not going to think these lustful thoughts. I'm not going to think angry thoughts. I'm not going to think selfish thoughts. I'm not going to have any sinful thought that, that is allowed to stay in my mind. Why? Because a thought is like a seed. And if you allow it to stay, it's going to fester, it's going to plant roots, and eventually you'll be living out a harvest of sin in your life. Why? Because you didn't remove the thought of sin. But what if that's only the first half of that truth, and there is a second half that the Apostle Paul is trying to teach us? What if the renewed mind has been transformed into a believing God for miracles? And if we share in the divine nature of Christ, and if nothing is impossible for God, and if we take every thought captive... We're not just going to take our sinful thoughts captive, we're going to take our faithless thoughts captive as well. So we're faced with a situation, and you're like, oh, I don't know what to do in this situation. There's no possibility for something to happen. We take that worldly thought captive, we put thought handcuffs on it, we submit it to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and then we look at heaven's perspective. 
the, the analogy in my mind was like, it's like you have this big bowl of, of chili or you know, food, whatever you're into. You're holding it. It's yours. You own it. And you're like, I'm so hungry. Like it just, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. So if you think a thought that you're doomed without a miracle, but yet you have the miracle worker living on the inside of you, it doesn't make any sense. We have to transform the way we think that the king of the universe lives inside of our soul and that nothing is impossible for God. And that if we would allow a thought to be faithless in our mind, soon that's like a seed and that's why we don't see miracles in our life. So over the next few weeks, I want us to repent. I want us to transform the way we think. I want us to believe that miracles are normal, they're possible, they're even logical. Miracles will be logical at the end of these eight weeks. Why? Because nothing is impossible for God. Oh, I don't know what to do because we're supposed to be having a big celebration party and I've been talking and I still have a lot of notes. Um, you know what, I don't really care because next week I have to get into week two. So all of that was Romans chapter two, Romans chapter 12, verse two. But I, I only talked about the first half. I want to talk about the second half. So go back to Romans 12, two. Here's the second half. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So that we can test the will of God so we know what is good and acceptable and perfect. When we have allowed our minds to be renewed, then we can discern what the will of God is. So next time you're in some sort of difficult situation, do not respond like the world, think with a renewed mind. Oh, here's somebody that's sick. I know that the will of God, because Jesus bore stripes on his back, is healing, so I'm gonna pray for a miracle. And I'm not gonna pray, if it be your will, I already know your will. Here's somebody living with a drug addiction or a sin addiction or they're bound up with demonic stronghold. I know the will of God is to, is to deliver them. I know it. I've read it in scripture. Here's somebody who's bound up with fear and anxiety or poverty. I know the will of God is for them to walk in peace and hope and joy. It's like you're faced with a situation. Remember what Jesus saw when he saw 20,000 people with not enough food. He was like, cool. Father, what do you want to do in this situation? And that's what opens the door for God to do miracles on the earth. And that's my whole point. If you don't know what to do, do what Jesus did. Study the four Gospels. Like, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read Acts of the Apostles. Yes, read the whole Bible, Genesis or Revelation. It's all very important. But for this particular next few weeks, I think it's important that we know what's possible in the, in the mind of, of a renewed mind. Because you have to also remember Jesus was living in a time where people were praying for the Messiah, but when the Messiah came, they weren't willing to receive him. Jesus was living in a time under military occupation when he had an ungodly government. I know you can't imagine an ungodly government. Jesus was often confronted with worldly problems, but he was looking for a heavenly situation. He wasn't freaked out by it. So how did Jesus talk to people? How did he respond to people? How did he, when there was a need brought to Jesus, study the life of Jesus? All right, hop up on your feet. I'm gonna give you the last two points in a hurry. What are the two keys for thinking from a heavenly perspective? Well, number one, I would say the renewed mind starts with how you think about God. Like if you think that God is a taskmaster, if you think that God is a jerk, if you think that God is weak and limp-wristed and mamby-pamby, if you think that God has limitations, if you don't think God's a loving father, then you're gonna struggle. So I want you to imagine God because he's better than you think. He's better than your wildest imaginations. It doesn't matter how good you think God is. He's better than your wildest imaginations about God. So the first thing is we have to change the way we think about God. He is a perfect father. He is all-powerful. He is amazing. And I have to tell you that every time for the last 6,000 years that a big world war has popped up on the earth, every time there's been a famine, every time there's been some sort of earthquake or major crisis or pandemic, like God isn't up there like wringing his hands like, oh man, what are we going to do? Things are falling apart down there. I'm so concerned. No, heaven's perspective is he's like, it's, it's, everything's going to be okay. So if God's got it, we don't have to freak out about anything. Oh, I just had this car accident. I just lost my job. I, I just had this terrible thing happen. I think I'll push the panic button. Is heaven panicking right now? Oh, I didn't, the guy I voted for wasn't elected. Boo-hoo. Okay. God's not freaking out. Chill. God's not an American. There's like a bigger thing going on here. Do you guys know there's like more to the world than Texas and America, right? Let me say it again for the people in the back. Y'all know there's more to the world than Texas and America, right? 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There's 300 million people in America. They're sneaking up on 8 billion people in the world. There's a lot more going on than the economy in America. Because the renewed mind doesn't just think from earthly perspective. I'll also say this, the renewed mind is not absent-minded. There's some sectors of the church that's like, you don't need your mind, all you need is faith. Just like disengage your mind. No, that's stupid. That's how people get into cults and fly to South America and drink Kool-Aid. Like, don't be an idiot. God gave you a mind and it's amazing. God gave you this computer to process information. But he doesn't want you to respond to only the information you get from this earth. He wants you to tap into heaven's resources. Look for a heavenly opportunity to touch earth. What's the will of God on earth as it is in heaven? So think about whatever the biggest thing you're facing in life right now. What's the will of God in that situation? On earth as it is in heaven. I want that to be our prayer. Lord, transform my mind. Just, just close your eyes. Lord, transform our, our mind. Transfigure our mind. That we would go through a metamorphosis and that our minds, our thought life would never be the same way again. Lord, that every situation we face at work, at school, in family, at the grocery store, that we would be looking for heaven's perspective of every situation that we face. Lord, keep working on me until my mind is renewed. And then once my mind is renewed, keep working on me until I get better and better and better and better and better at it. Lord, I never want to give up on working on having my mind be renewed. I want to think like heaven thinks. I want to see you moving in every opportunity. You can look up here at me. I think there's some church people that are like, listen, I don't want to be like a Jesus fanatic. Like, I don't want to be so heavenly minded. I'm no earthly good. Most Christians are so earthly minded, they're no heavenly good. And I'm telling you right now, the earth needs a whole lot more of heaven. So it would be a good season of your life to be really heavenly minded and release that on the earth. Well, I don't want to be like a, I don't want to look like a nut job for Jesus. Okay, I do. And I really do. You know that if you believe the Bible is true, if you believe there is a heaven and a hell, if you believe that your sin separates you from God, if you believe in miracles, if you believe in angels, if you believe in demons, the world considers you mentally insane. Ha! <laughs> Let's get t-shirts made up. I, have, I don't care what the world thinks about me. I don't care what the world thinks about me. I don't care what my neighbor thinks about me. I don't care what anybody watches me on YouTube and puts all their comments. I don't care. I only care what he thinks. I'm not here to please anybody in this world. I'm only here to please Jesus. <laughs> Listen, if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you're not right with God, if your heart is far from God, if you've allowed sin into your life that separated you from God, if your heart is pounding out of your chest, when I was talking about repentance and asking God to forgive sin, you're like, hey, I, um, is that a prayer I can pray? Yes, I wanna lead you in that prayer. So many people are far from God. When he's got his arms open wide, he's like, baby girl, dude, I'm not mad at you, come on. Like, no, 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 I did some bad stuff. God's not mad at you. No, you know, I did some really, really bad stuff. Do you know that the Apostle Paul started out his ministry as a religious Jew that hated Jesus and Jesus' followers, and he murdered Jesus' followers? So until you've murdered a bunch of Christians, you're still not nearly as bad as the Apostle Paul, and somehow God forgave him of his sin. No, I, don't, I, I slept with a bunch of people, I did a bunch of drugs, I used to do, I don't care, you didn't kill a bunch of Christians, and God forgave Paul, you're good. He's not mad at you. He loves you, he's crazy about you. He's, he's wooing you to come back into the Father's house. You're not an orphan, you're not alone in this world. You have a heavenly Father that loves you. He's crazy about you. All right, how do I, what do I do? What must I do to be saved? Easy, repent. Change the way you think. Change the way you think about God, change the way you think about sin, change the way you think. Ask him to be, to forgive you of your sin. 
and 180 degrees turn your life, go through the metamorphosis that you would go from sinner to saint, you would go from orphan to child of the Most High God, that your life will never be the same again. Why? Because you go all in and be one of those Jesus freaks. Today's your day to pray that prayer. At home, you're like, well, at least he doesn't talk to the home people. What up, home people? You might be watching this live right now with a couple hundred other people. You might be watching this a year from now, and your heart is beating out of your chest, tears welling up in your eyes. You're like, I'm telling you, God loves you. He's crazy about you. Today is your day to ask God to forgive you. So whether you're watching at home or you're here in this church, I want to lead you in that prayer. I can't pray it for you. I can help you. I can lead you. But it has to be your prayer. You have to pray it from your heart and believe it. It might be the first time in your life you've ever prayed this prayer. It could be the first time in a long time, like it's, it's been a minute. But today is your day to get right with God, either the first time or the first time in a long time. I'd like to know who I'm praying for. Before we pray, I'd like to know who I'm praying for. Would you shoot your hand up? Be brave. Shoot your hand up real high and say, preacher, pray for me. Today's my day. I see your hand. Is there anybody else? Shoot your hand up real high. I see your hand. Is there anybody else? I see your hand. Is there anybody else? Yeah, God. Yeah, God. I see your hand. Is there anybody else? Yeah, God. Yeah, God. Yeah, God. What about it, YouTube? I saw three people raise their hand and say, today's my day to get right with God. Leave me in that prayer. Right there in your living room, right there in your bedroom, just raise your hand right there. Why don't we all pray this prayer together? If you believe it in your heart, pray it out loud. Say, dear Jesus, I repent. I change the way I think. I think you are the son of the most high God. Forgive me. I'm so sorry I've sinned against you. I repent and I turn my life over to you. Transform my mind, transform my heart that I would never be the same again. I receive the gift of eternal life. Come into my heart, make me brand new, and renew my mind to think from heaven's perspective. In Jesus' name, say amen if you believe it. Shout for joy, shout for joy, shout for joy. Come on, somebody. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.